It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Welcome to Cheap Talk, episode 35, your podcast about cheap trick. On today's show, Brian Beebe will be stopping by from Xander and Kent. And we'll be talking about the recent Robin Xander, Brian Beebe show at Monk's. Both he and BJ were there. So we'll be talking about that and sharing some cool tunes. If you're a Cheap Trick fan, you know that the new album, Bang Zoom Crazy Hello, is coming out on April 1st. And here are the first two singles, No Direction, which you can get as a free download from the band. And When I Wake Up Tomorrow is now on YouTube and had a really cool write-up on Rollingstone.com. And another Cheap Trick news, Record Store Day takes place April 16th this year. And... Big Machine Records is releasing a 10-inch vinyl called Found New Parts. It is a Record Store Day exclusive release. There are four tracks on it. When I Wake Up Tomorrow, No Direction Home, Do You Believe Me? A exclusive 10-inch vinyl record includes one exclusive track called Arabesque. It is limited to only 4,000 copies. The book Reputation is a Fragile Thing has been out of print for a very long time. If you'd like to get it reprinted, all you have to do is email this address and say you're interested in buying a copy of the reprint. mjhayes57, one word, mjhayes at gmail.com, mjhayes at gmail.com. Do it. It would help everybody out that wants to get a copy of this book. We would like to take a second to thank everybody who helps us run the Cheap Talk Facebook page. Stephanie Stewart Morgan, Matt Porter, Alyssa Picarino, Sherry Wyatek, Ellie Velestine, and our newest addition, Christopher Todd Davis, who makes these really cool graphics with some really cool Cheap Trick questions. Check it out over at the Cheap Talk Facebook page. We'd also like to thank Kurt Quickle for some of the sound clips that we are going to use during our Robin segment coming up. But before we get to that, here is Robin Zander at a local TV station in Florida doing a morning show. Yes, Cheap Tricks Robin Zander co-hosts WTSP Studio 10 Live in the morning. Check it out. It is Grammy Monday. Tonight, the big show right here on 10 News. It is a night to honor the biggest and the best in music. When it comes to classic rock, Cheap Trick is among the biggest and the best. They're one of the most covered bands of all time. And this is one of their biggest hits. More than 5,000 performances, 20 million records sold, 29 movie soundtracks, and 40 gold and platinum recording awards. Cheap Trick has cemented itself into rock and roll history. Lead singer Robin Zander has been called one of the greatest voices in rock history. So welcome to Studio 10 Live, one of the greatest voices in rock history. Good morning, Stephanie. It's very thank, nice to be here. Thank you for hanging out with us this you morning. You bet. I c- couldn't wait to come again. I I've know. been here a few times. Welcome yeah. back. Welcome back to yeah. the show. We're going to have lots of good stuff today. We're going to chat with you a little bit. Yes. Congratulations to you guys. You guys are getting finally getting inducted into the Rock and Roll yeah, Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, it's about time, isn't it? No. It is. <laughs> 
<laughs> I felt uh, very, very honored. Actually, I'm very excited about it. So do you guys have a say into who inducts you into the Hall of Fame? We or don't. Or do they kind of sign? Well, there's 800 guys. people that, that vote approximately. Mm -hmm. Sure. And uh, so they, they vote for whoever they think should be in that year. And right. there's usually five or six acts that make it. Right, right. I know and Chicago uh, is this year along with you guys, yeah, NWA. Yeah. We've got a couple of good names up there. Really good names. Uh, Deep Purple. Yes, you know, all yes. All these guys. Uh, we've worked with it one time or another, you know, or, or at least uh, know them. But uh, yeah, it's very exciting. You know, the first five years uh, that we were uh, eligible, we felt like, yeah, this is really cool, you know, and then 10 years go by and then, <laughs> wait a minute, and then 15 years you're go like, by and you're heck? thinking, well, all right, well, you know, those guys don't know what they're talking about anyway. And then it happens and you feel like, wow. <gasps> now we got this, yeah, we got I'm this. I'm not dead even. No. No, it's not posthumous at all. <laughs> we want to take a little time and look at the music of Cheat Trick because when we put it out on social network that you were going to be guest hosting today, it just blew up with so many questions. People have loved Cheat Trick for mm. a long, 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 long time. Where did the name come from? That's one of the biggest ones we've always wondered. Uh, Cheap Trick was there before I joined the band. I was in uh, a, a duel at the time. Right, we right. were playing close by, reasonable proximity to Rockford, Illinois, where Cheap Trick spawned from right their band was already together called cheap trick okay. so when i joined i had nothing to do with it but i've heard three different stories about it one was a ouija board you know because that's what we should yeah there you go that's no, always good for life the advice. other was they uh they were watching the band slade perform in chicago and said these guys are doing every tr cheap trick in the book and that makes more sense all right i like that one as well well you guys have played so many shows over the years you've been together for a long time yeah. and the biggest thing that i thought was interesting was how many people that you have interested that are in the business talking big names you've got gene simmons kurt cobain eddie vetter uh, Dave Grohl from the food. I mean, you have influenced Steven Tyler, generations of some of the biggest names out there that have Well, we've on. been around a long time. You know, this is our 43rd year or something like that. When, when you've worked with people along the way and, uh, and seen these young bands like Guns N' Roses, we gave them their very first show oh, at Fender's Ballroom in Los Angeles, you know. So, I mean, when, when you do that, and then you run into them later on and they're right. big stars and right. stuff. You know, it's, it's pretty again. cool. Uh, but yeah, it's. I think that's probably Cheap Trick's uh, main claim to fame is that uh, we've influenced a lot of people. You really uh, have. You really have. And that that's really an honor to, to have that. You know, being inducted into the Hall of Fame is for that reason, I believe. I think so too. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly not popularity. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> it <laughs> no just we didn't sell as many years. records as, as yeah. a lot of people, but yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with that influence. I was reading someplace too, one of like the biggest songs that everybody loves, like we were asking like what everyone's favorite song is, and one of their favorite is, you know, I Want You To Want Me, yes, that one. Yes, that is. I, is it true that that one kind of started off as a joke? Well, it didn't start off as a joke. We played it uh, quite a bit uh, in the clubs and stuff, but when we got to Budokan, which is our, our biggest record, that recording, we had a set uh, all planned out, and uh, the promoter came up to us and said, you're, you're too short, you've got to add a song. So our manager came up to us and said, put I Want You To Want Me in there. Otherwise, it would have never been in there and it ended up being our, uh, one of our biggest songs. Yeah, so, so that's one that's like everybody's favorite. All right, yeah. we have more from you because we have a lot of questions okay. uh, from our social network platforms. A okay. lot of probing questions here. We're going to go deep with you in just a minute. Be nervous. Be very scared. <laughs> Welcome back. All right, we have more with Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, who has been our guest co-host all day today. Again, thank you for hanging out with us Oh, today. I love it. It's great. Thank we you very much. This. this is my community. Well, <laughs> we love it. We love having you here because it has been really fascinating to get your take on music and the Grammys and the Rock and Roll Hall 
Hall of Fame and just music in mm -hmm. general. And we threw the question out on our social networks, you know, do people have any questions for Robin Zander? You should totally be doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> we had some uh -oh. good ones. We had some good ones in here. Um, one of the interesting things was we talked in the last block about your the people that you have influenced, you know, some of the biggest names in mm -hmm. rock, but um, we've got someone, Kendra Bradley Pilson, she wants to know who your biggest musical influence was. Who was it for you when you were growing up? Oh, well, uh, that's easy. It was uh, radio of the early 60s, basically, Everything that made me start to want to play music in general. It was the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Kinks, you know, the animals. Yes, uh, that sound. That, that English invasion is what made me really want to get involved in it seriously. And that's all I've ever done since. My first band, I was 12 years old, my first band. 12 years old, yeah. that's pretty impressive. And to have yeah. done this as long as you have and still love it, yeah. I think that speaks volumes as well. So they want, also want to ask you if you have, you guys are getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Yay. in April that is coming up. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a say, because it, it's also kind of event as to who inducts you, like the band. Do you have a say in that, or do you know who's going to be inducting you guys personally? We don't know. Um, I, I've heard, and it's all such a mystery, but I've heard that there's about 800 voters okay. that actually vote. Right. And that um, the, uh, the fans also have a say, but uh, you don't have any say in, in, in who votes, and we're... We're very excited that we're. I can't. Conducted. I can't. Well, I can't wait to see who presents you with oh, your. Oh, like, that's be, another thing yeah. you don't have anything to do with. Ah, okay. Uh, they pick whoever they want. Okay. To induct you, and this year, um, you know, we 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 talked to them, and we're saying, well, we'd like to get, you know, Howard Stern would be perfect, you know, <laughs> yeah, but guess, that yeah. didn't happen. So uh, they picked Kid Rock, which is great. You know, that's that he's a Midwestern kid just like us, and absolutely, you know. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. I feel like there's a lot of other bands, like all the guys that you've influenced out there are sticking their hands up going, we want to induct them, we want to induct them. Well, I don't know about that, but oh. uh, it, like I said, nobody has any say except for the powers that be over there. Well, we have time for one more question, and let's go for this one from Jennifer Cohen. Um, what non-Cheap Trick song do you love? Is there oh. a song out there you wish you had written, or is there one that like... Oh, there's, there's, there's so, so many. So many is right. Um, I always loved the... Uh, the small faces, and I always loved those uh, rock bands from the, from the late '60s and stuff. And um, I think one song that I wish I'd, I'd written is by John Lennon called "Mind Games." Oh, that man was a we beautiful keep playing those mind games. I love yes. that song. Yes. Yeah, and I know in another segment you have a, a guy that's a dog trainer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and, yes. And yes, I yes. actually uh, wrote a song or have a song that I recorded, I should say, on this. Uh, on this, uh, this record called Every Dog Has Its Day. Every Dog Has Its Day. <laughs> I like that. Well, thank you so much for answering all of these questions as well. All right, that is your cue. Right now it's time for Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and Blue Suede Shoes at the Lakeland Center Ticket Giveaway. All you have to do is just be the 10th caller, 727-577-4357, number right there, bottom of your screen. You are going to score that gift card. The contest is brought to you by Studio 10 Live. And Rue Restaurant. Donuts from Dats, too, are so in the back fabulous. room. How about that? <laughs> Happy Grammy Day to you as well. We've got more Studio 10 Live ahead. It's Welcome back to your Cheap Trick Podcast. Today we are joined by Mr. Brian Beebe once again. Thank you for coming back to the Cheap Talk podcast. We're, we're so glad that you're here. Glad to be back. You're welcome anytime. I understand you recently met a celebrity, Brian. 
yes. Mr. Uh, B.J. Cramp. was just here. <laughs> Robin Zander was just here for a couple of concerts uh, in the early part of last month. Oh, no, I was talking about meeting B.J. Cramp. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I did. I did meet B.J. and his uh, beautiful wife. Yeah, she, I don't know why she stays with him, but God bless her. We <laughs> no, love that her was pieces. a surprise. I thought he would be kind of, you know, uh, a, a, a geek with a geek wife or no wife, you know. But there she was. <laughs> Gorgeous. <laughs> BJ is a man about town. What can I say? He uh... And that town is McFarland. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't much of a town. That, that is very true. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, Brian, thank you very much. Uh, you're the only reason I ended up at the Robin Zander solo show at uh, Monk's oh, in Wisconsin Hills. Cool. What, you messaged me maybe two be... days before the show, and then you got yeah. me in. Yeah, well, I have that kind of pull. <laughs> so I had two $100 tickets to a sold-out show. That was pretty pretty sweet. Did and you get I to ever sit the, down, though? No, we stood, but that was fine. Standing room only, right? I yeah. love the, the yeah. tickets. The the tickets have my name on them. Right. It's awesome. And a picture of Robin in the show and yeah. the date. Yeah, that the commemorative ticket was a cool idea, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's great. And my wife found a pick on the floor, too, a cheap trick pick that Robin How did must that have happen? Because <laughs> so, I, wow. I have a shadow box here with all my cheap trick stuff in it, so now I've got my Robin Zander ticket and that new pick in there. Cool. So... I, I guess we need to set the stage for folks who don't know. BJ, can you tell us about the event and when it was held and what was going on? Yeah, there were two shows, Friday and Saturday. I think it was January 8th and 9th in uh, the Wisconsin Dells, right back where Brian and Robin used to perform together. <laughs> Do we want to say how many years ago? <laughs> 40, <laughs> 40 plus years ago. And this is the second time you've done it. I missed the first time, which was a little over a year ago. And so... This time, Brian made sure that I got my ass up there and saw these shows. I mean, these are one-of-a-kind show. Robin and his son performed for about half the set, and then Brian got up there, so it was actually a Xander-Kent reunion gig. And uh, I was just looking at the set list for the Friday night show, the one I missed, and I was <laughs> starting to get myself pretty depressed about missing that show because that was a great set as well. I mean, both nights... Uh, really exciting stuff just acoustic performances and um you know i think there's about 180 tickets even available for these shows so and when me and my wife pulled in there because i was sitting there thinking am i actually going to get to meet robin zander is that what might happen here <laughs> and i said all i want to do is shake his hand and thank him and so that's exactly what i did i at the after the show robin came out in the in the crowd and was just talking to people and I just waited my turn and just shook his hand and said thank you for all the great music and so I'm really glad that I had that opportunity to do that that's awesome so Brian how did this come about when did you get drawn into all of this when did this come about well yeah I should have to I have to go back to last year because uh, that's a pretty good story too but years ago I'm talking five or six years ago maybe longer they built this beautiful bar and restaurant uh, at the wilderness that and they included it like a 200 seat theater in the basement with a nice stage and built-in sound and lights and when i first saw it i thought it would be kind of cool to have a 
an intimate night with Robin Zander there. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, because of the local, you know, all the friends he has locally. And uh, I, when I approached him about it, he said, well, yeah, but it sure has to be a, a, a an intimate evening with Robin and Brian, doesn't it? And I, I thought he was kind of just joking and blowing the whole thing off. He said he wanted to do it, but then he said that, and I said, yeah, why would he want to do that, you know? So we left it alone for a while until somebody, uh, oh, the manager, uh, Dan Collar at, at Monks, heard uh, your podcast. Oh, wow. Uh, was listening to it. Uh, yeah, uh, he was listening to it some, you know, six or eight months ago, and he got pretty excited about the idea of trying again to do it. So I contacted Robin, and he said yes, and finally there was a, a, a real solid offer made, and, and uh, it was set up for September last year. But then I, the story about that show was that some guy set him on fire, himself on fire at O'Hare Airport when Robin was in Detroit and couldn't make the connecting flight and couldn't get up to Madison and, you know, near the Dallas here. So he had to rent a car in Detroit and he and his wife and his son Robin Taylor Zander all drove eight hours from Detroit to to get here to the show and of course it started an hour late and there was no sound check and there was no no rehearsal so it was uh, loose but fun and so fun that I mean it was that was sold out for even more than a hundred bucks a ticket and everybody had such a great time that they wanted to do it again they were talking about it for you know a month and and talked about it on the Madison Rock radio stations and mm-hmm. after the fact because we didn't even advertise it we just told our friends and did some things on Facebook and and it sold out like that and then wow. Robin enjoyed it so much that he wanted to do it again so we uh, started talking about another date and it ended up being January 8th and 9th of last month and two nights this time and uh he did get here in time for a little sound check and rehearsal, which is really helpful to me. You know? Yeah. But like like BJ said, he had a different show. Uh, we we talked about you know songs uh, on the over the internet a few times before we got together, but uh, there were two completely different shows because there of the uh, you know the 360 some tickets that were sold. Uh-huh. I bet you. Um, uh, two two hundred of them were people who came to both shows. Yeah, right. They they came from sixteen different states, all over the country because this one did get some word out a little bit ahead of time, and and uh, drove and flew from California and Pittsburgh and stayed uh, in the the resort or stayed somewhere and saw both shows. It was incredible. It must be nice after all this time having this friendship with Robin Zander and uh, having it survive and continue to grow isn't isn't this great yeah and this was a nice nice revival of it you know because we don't see each other as much as I would like you know and he's, uh-huh. he's just gone all the time and we live uh, quite a ways apart now but but uh, this show and with and his son was uh, quite a bit better than last year. They were, he was good last year, but you can tell there's been a lot of uh, 
performance time between September 2014 and January 2016. He got a lot better. But the thing that, BJ, you noticed this, but the thing about these shows, and of course they were, uh, you know, well attended, but they were quiet. You know, there was people sitting and listening. Nobody, nobody moved around. Nobody. Uh, it wasn't a regular concert atmosphere at all. It's not and a bunch of people screaming uh, for surrender. And what? Right. And, and what was cool was Robin still has so much respect for these uh, the songs, the, the songs themselves, that he was really content to play them just on acoustic guitar or two acoustic guitars. When I joined them, there would be a piano. But, I mean, that's that's a maturity that he had very, very young. But, you know, a lot of rock stars couldn't take it down mm-hmm. to the level that we that we had it. And and actually, he on Friday, he, he told stories about uh, almost every song. And... Uh, a lot of remembrances of the Dallas and stuff. Saturday, there was a little bit less of that, but there were more requests. He, he had actually had some requests, and he tried to play some things. And uh, and he chose some really cool covers. You know, the Stones and John Lennon and and Ennio uh, Young and. He really brought himself to these shows, you know. Yeah, he seemed very comfortable, and he seemed to really, really enjoy it. And um, yeah. Yeah, and it was a very intimate kind of a personal show. Just felt like you were hanging out with him, and yeah, he still yeah. told some, he still told some great stories on Saturday. I remember he was talking about a a bar that you used to own, Brian, and then he's like, "Yeah, that was yeah. a great that was a great place until that guy died." <laughs> yeah, yeah, some guy, you know that that story. Uh, I don't even know if that's true. But it was a good story. Everybody liked it. So they, you know, at least he was uh, he was presenting himself. I mean, he he he's become a much more uh, outgoing uh, entertainer kind of a guy. He's comf- he's comfortable and confident now. And um, and now Friday when I introduced him at the beginning of the show, I mentioned the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction and and the, the crowd you know, clapped for two minutes straight before he got out there and then I forgot to do that Saturday and and he told a cool story about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame do you remember that one BJ? Yeah, yeah. about being, being eligible in 2002 and then yeah. getting all excited and then nothing happened and then and this, this, this story is on uh, on Facebook somewhere YouTube but and then ten years went by, and then fifteen years went by, you know, and they and they finally got it, you know. And he told this story, but um. I mean, we we literally lived off the street in our friends and got kicked out of their houses all the time, went to jail for no reason, really. I mean, I'm not kidding you. But I'll tell you, it's, it was the best part of my life because I learned I learned how to live and how to appreciate things. And uh, more than anything, it was my 
my sort of um, stomping ground to learn how to be a, a professional musician. And now, you know, all this time later, 43 years later, 45 years later, um, it's, it hasn't been that long, man. No, I, okay, 35. 25. Um, um, Cheap Trick is being inducted into the. For me, it was strange because, because, you know, we were eligible in 2002, you know, and we thought, wow, this is so cool. You know, we're eligible, you know, the Hall of Fame, you know, they're going to give us a call soon. I don't and then two years went by and no phone call. Again. Five years went by. Ten years went by. Fifteen years. And it was kind of like, you know, eh. yeah. <laughs> You know, we got fans, you know, that like our music, and you yeah. guys don't have to like this stuff. Like, you know, everybody's got a cheap trip record in their collection. It may be the fifth one down or whatever, it doesn't matter. We, you know, we're okay without the Hall of Fame. And then suddenly, we're in the Hall of Fame. And, Everything changes. But no, it's a privilege and it's an honor, and I just uh, I can't believe it myself, and I, I'm still kind of in shock about it. But um, it started with me, pretty much right here. Um, I knew what I wanted to do all my life, really, as a kid, but it really honed me in the right direction doing this with Brian and I just appreciate him so much and let's have a hand for Brian. Yeah. It wasn't me. Back in the back in those days we did all almost all these songs that we're playing for you tonight with the exception of Cheap Trick songs. <laughs> uh, this is one that we used to do, and it brought the house down. I don't know why, but uh, it did. It was a great song by a band that we, we used to cover quite a bit called the Bee Gees. Woo! If ever you've got brain in your heart, someone was at you and told
seemed very humbled by it too though. yeah and in the he genuinely was enjoying himself I've looked at these videos uh, a number of times since then and uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't a stage face and and the fact that fr you know a Friday night I left the stage because I played the end of the show went back to my seat I saw people kind of filing out and all of a sudden the line stopped going out the door and there he was I mean I there was no meet and greet planned uh -huh. right. he just walked off the stage and obviously came kind of right back and was standing there by the door and all of a sudden the whole crowd was in a meet and greet with him you know and it went on and on and on I mean probably 45 minutes or an hour him and his son both taking any any picture they wanted um, you know talking in with anybody and and then I said okay Saturday night after that kind of the, the beating it took Friday night he wouldn't <laughs> he wouldn't come out and do that again but there he was he didn't even walk out the door on Saturday night he just walked to the door and waded back into the crowd and what would you say BJ it was an hour or so of that then wasn't it yeah, well, I didn't stay the whole time, and yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, he was just mobbed, but, uh, and I was, I was about to leave a couple of times, but I just really wanted to, to just take the opportunity, you know, when do you have that opportunity to just say hello to him, yeah. but, uh, but it and also, it feels kind of yeah. weird when you just see him being mobbed by everybody, and everybody wants to tell him their stories, and, um, and then you want to get in there and do the same thing, it's, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Does, it does feel odd. But, what, you know, the fact that he subjected himself to that, you know, a meet and greet is usually, you know, 25, 30 people, you know. Uh, yeah. But that was just a, everybody there was in the meet and greet. It was really cool. 
Oh, and you know, there were so many people that he knew from from way back when, and uh, yeah. that he was just happy to see again. And I mean, he seemed to really enjoy it. He didn't seem uncomfortable or anything like that. And I, I said that my wife afterwards to to be that close to him, it, it still is. He's a striking looking person. You know, he's a very handsome guy, and to be a yeah. foot away from him. You know, even still at sixty years old or whatever, um, he's very yeah, he striking. Still looks good. Yeah, yeah. And and the and the big smile. I mean, he never the smile never went away. No, no, he was incredibly uh, nice, incredibly nice to everybody, and just yeah, he just walked off the stage and came right out into the crowd and just started talking to people. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it, we 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 dug up some songs that uh, that were kind of straight out of our uh, high school and early Dell's years, you know, and uh, because we had uh, shipped some song ideas back and forth uh, before the uh, event, and and uh, he he chose them, but I mean he chose some really cool old songs that we that we both loved as kids, you know. Yeah, the most memorable moment was probably when you did the Bee Gees song that he said it came out right after his grandmother passed away and it was really meaningful yeah. to him that was a tearjerker <laughs> for sure yeah when, it was and he's saying that song, it was song amazing called, a song called dearest right. and i suggested that one because it was uh uh you know one that i'm sure he had forgotten about but it was such an emotional one for us when we were kids that he even told the story about uh i was really kind of pissed at him about something uh when we were young and and uh, which I did quite re- regularly because he, you know, was the kind of guy who never showed up when he said or you know he needed to. He was kind of a needy guy. He never. I had to drive him everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just kind of. He was an artiste all his life. And anyway, this I was mad at him about something, and he came over and he played this song on the piano, and uh, it was just so. It was so beautiful and just. It couldn't be mad anymore, and so he told the crowd that story too. <laughs> yeah, very good. But the story, most of the time, was yeah, it was his grandmother. About the time his grandmother passed, and it's a song called "Dearest" by the Bee Gees. It was really, really cool. I, I had the most wonderful grandmother in the world. She took up the slack for everything. She was such a wonderful person. Brian knew her well. She stayed at her house a lot. Um, she was the cleanest woman I'd ever met. Anyway, um, I went out and I bought a record after she died, and I didn't even realize you know, what was on the record. No, it was a Bee Gees record called Trafalgar. And there was this song on there that when it came on, it just killed me. It was, it, it just struck me so hard. And so uh, Brian and I talked about it yesterday, and we decided to do it tonight. Yeah. Plus, Brian hated my guts for a month or so. And when I brought the record over to play for him, he forgave me. <laughs> Nearest I've ever been before 
songs and the original arrangements and how uh, yeah. he, he wasn't afraid to let the song shine through. That really speaks a lot to the song's actual uh, integrity and, and, and just how good they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if you can strip them down to nothing, yeah. like just an acoustic guitar and a vocal, and, and cut out all the effects, and you cut out all the harmonies, and you cut out... I mean, there were harmonies, and they were it was thicker than that because it was always two guitars at least and two yeah. gu guitars and a piano it was it was thick sounding it was really good lots of harmony but the song itself uh shone through because it was it was chosen to be the one that he wanted to do you know yeah absolutely what was it like to be back with an old friend after all this time it kind of felt pretty natural we hadn't really missed a step with the with the songs and and for me I, I i told this joke last year and this year too i said you know i've been playing these songs all along he hasn't played them for 40 years you know mm -hmm. but uh he he uh he seemed to jump right back in where we left off and we knew which uh who was going to sing which harmony and uh you know it was always understood even when we played together that he was 
he was the lead singer. He was obviously, we never talked about it, and he never said, okay, I want to sing lead on this. I'm better singer, and nothing like that. It was just kind of assumed, you know. Uh-huh. He was better. He was better all along. Yeah, so it was it was real comfortable again, just like old times. Were there any big surprises for of the evening for you? Yeah, Saturday night. One of his big-time fans had asked him to uh, do A Man Needs a Maid mm-hmm. by, the, by Neil Young, which is a song that we used to love to play. It's a, it's a sad, lonely kind of song. But Robin sat down at the piano to try to do this request, and he couldn't remember it, the song. And so he just sang bits of it. And the crowd, not knowing the song, thought it was kind of funny that he was singing about a man needs a maid just to take care of it. You know, the song goes, you know, needs just someone to keep my house clean, fix my meals and go away. It's a really a lonely, lonely song. Yeah. But it came off funny and people were laughing and it was really odd. Yeah, you and know, then, uh, <laughs> I had that, the exact... That, that threw him to the point where he forgot to do the next song and he went right into another Neil Young song which I was supposed to play on and I didn't get up there uh, because of the snafu you know and and, uh, it worked out just fine but uh... I was thinking I would get a man Yeah, I had the exact same reaction that, uh, I mean, I'm very familiar with that song and very familiar with Neil Young, and I got the impression that nobody knew what the song was, and they all thought it was like a Monty Python bit. So it was was a very strange atmosphere, uh, because I never thought of that song as a comedic song, but yeah, because of the audience reaction, that's how it came off. And that's really interesting to hear that it threw him so, so much that he that he uh, messed up the set list. <laughs> right, and he didn't even finish that song because he obviously didn't remember it, but a fan was at another show, and at soundcheck, Robin had sat down at a piano and started playing what he remembered of that song, and she was so knocked out that she asked for it at this show, and he sat down at the piano and tried to do the request, but when he sat down there, he was uh, he couldn't remember it. And that threw him, and he just went into the chorus, and 
and uh, you know the the song kind of needs the verses to to set it up, and the yeah. music is very lonely too. So it was that was an odd thing. That was a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was such a surreal thing when the yeah <laughs> the crowd was the, the crowd didn't know the song. Yeah, they just had no idea what it was. Yeah. Oh. And here is Robin and Brian as Xander and Kent doing Neil Young's Tell Me Why. Another thing I really get a kick out of is what a great um, Neil Young impression Robin can do. <laughs> Which, yeah. I wonder, does he do impressions of other singers like that? Because uh, maybe he has a knack for that. Because he can sound exactly like Neil Young, which is pretty. Yeah, and, and the uh, the old days uh, he could do when we we did a lot of old BG songs, and he could do the real fast uh, Robin Gibb voice. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You call, <laughs> and then he would start turn right around in the same song and go, <laughs> you know, which was Barry. He could do both of them, and uh, I don't think he really. He did Lennon really good, and uh, but but I don't think he really tried to do any impressions. Is he and I were cut from the same cloth in that when we fell in love with a song as a kid, as kids, mm-hmm. we wanted to do it 
as close to the record as we could. It seemed like to us the only way that song should be performed. You know, we we didn't ever try to make a song our own, you know. We loved the record so much that we wanted to do it like that. Later on in Cheap Trick, he found his own voice and and some of these songs that we learned as kids have been filtered through that, you know. Right. Yeah, well, one thing we've talked about a lot in the podcast is how Robin Zander seems to have a thousand different voices and he just can do yeah. a different a different voice for a different every different Cheap Trick song. And I mean, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, that tape that recently came out of David Bowie where he was doing impressions of like Bruce Springsteen yeah. and Lou Reed. Yeah. <laughs> I bet Robin yeah. could, would be really good at that. I just have a feeling. Oh, he could do a record of uh, impressions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the knocks on Cheap Trick was the fact that they did sound like so many other groups at different times. You know, they didn't really. You remember a song called Younger Girls and some of these things that could be Rod Stewart. And they and then they could do the they could be the Stones. It was um, it was that that voice thing with a thousand voices kind of made them hard to do, define or describe at times. You know, mm. one of the things uh, you know that came up in in uh, the press about the split between Bunny and the band uh, was about the uh, uh, Bunny wanted to do the other 115 shows of. Uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper Live that they were offered or something, you know. Right, right. And and Robin didn't want to do it. He said because you know he didn't want to take his daughter and put her in a Las Vegas school. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the press reported that. But the fact of the matter is, and Robin told me this even when we were doing the Sergeant Pepper Live out in, uh, in the Vegas, that he didn't want to end his career as a Beatle tribute band. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Doesn't that yeah. make more sense? Isn't that a better reason to not do a hundred more of those shows? And I think, and I think that's more of the reason than the, than his daughter being at the school. You know? Yeah. That well, that was the story that Bunny told in that interview. It, yeah. it just seemed like Bunny was mad that they didn't you know, take the paycheck. Uh, more yeah. Than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And but Robin has said he told me even then. When I said, "Well, don't, are you going to keep doing this for a while?" We only we did the first, we did nine shows, and they were like the fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth shows that they'd ever done of that. You know, they did it in New York and Hollywood Bowl before that. But after that, he I asked him, "What do you want to keep doing this or what?" And he said, "I don't, I don't think we should be uh, uh, at the end of our career and turning into a Beatles tribute band." And uh, and I think he was right. Definitely. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. As much as I enjoyed it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And and I said I blogged about it a few times. And one of the things I said was, uh, the crowd, uh, and I could see the crowd from where I was in on the stage, and it seemed to be more uh, cheap trick fans than Beatles fans out in Vegas, right? And and I thought it was so cool that nobody ever hollered out in nine shows hollered out, hey, play, uh, I want you to want me, or surrender. They, all the Cheap Tricks fans in that crowd were really content to see them doing this project. And mm-hmm. you know, they they believed it had weight and it was cool to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. They they enjoyed the, the Beatle twist and, and Cheap Tricks 
Patrick did it so well that uh, it was so believable and cool that that was that was uh, striking to me that all the Cheap Trick fans just settled for that and loved it. You know, that's great. Jeff Emmerich of the Beatles, you know, was the sound sound uh, producer of this show. He was mm-hmm. the engineer on on Sgt. Pepper and all a lot of the other Beatles records, and he uh, said that uh, Cheap Trick's version of Sgt. Pepper's made the Beatles version sound like a demo. Wow. Because it was, they rocked it so hard, you know, compared to uh, the original. High praise indeed. Yeah, yeah, sure. They wanted to watch you instead of the movies. <laughs> Hey, these Beatles songs reminded me of a story. I gotta tell you this, you don't even know this. It'll take two really seconds. Embarrassing uh, yeah, I know. When we did that, when you did that show in Vegas and you invited me out to play uh, Sgt. Pepper Live, and Jeff Emmerich was the, the Beatles technician on all their records. He engineered all the records. And you asked me at one, at one point in the show if I would double up your vocal on being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Remember that? Well, uh, it wasn't syncing up good. You don't know this, but Jeff Emmerich came up to the loft where we sang and told me not to sing. So I was told by the Beatles uh, producer not to sing. I wish you'd have told me that because I, I fired him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he, told me, he told me to mouth the words so you would think that I was kidding. If you looked up there, you would think I was scared. You never told me that story before. I didn't want you to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was told not to sing by the Beatles engineer, but, but that's okay. I'm over it. It didn't affect me for long term. He's a Sitting in his nowhere land Making all of his nowhere plans for nobody Doesn't have a point of view Knows not where he's going to Isn't he Knows not 
Did you get a chance to talk to Robin about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame personally? Yeah, and and the story was pretty much the same as uh, he told on stage. That, uh-huh. uh, we, yeah, we hung out a little bit on Saturday, Friday before the show, but that was mostly deciding who's going to play what and what songs to do and, and, right. uh, and a little bit of uh, rehearsal. And then um, Saturday we hung out and he said the same thing. You know, it was it was nice when they were eligible in 2002 they got excited nobody called the first five years then ten years go by now they're all of a sudden saying okay who cares about the Hall of Fame you know Uh and I was too I was thinking that it's so diluted that you know it doesn't bother me at all that they're not getting in you know because there's Jesus producers and gospel artists and and lighting techs or who I don't know what it's just all kinds of things in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that aren't rock and roll. Just look at uh NWA and Janet Jackson were in the same class, you know, come on. That's not rock and roll. No. You wanna call it just the music hall of fame? That's different. Yeah, that's one thing. Um Yeah. So I mean I just they they just said said the same thing. They just uh kinda of blew it off and didn't care anymore and just kept playing and playing and geez 15 years of uh, more 15 more years of 200 gigs a year and a couple more records and and they were they're a lot more they were a lot more of a candidate this year weren't they yeah i mean it well, was the, cool the, i think the rock and roll hall of fame is also getting to the point where they're running out of bands in a sense you know what I mean? As many yeah. that are still out there to be put in, you can only put the Beatles in a couple times. You know what I mean? And they've done yeah. They've done that. Well, they, there's a there's a long list of bands, obviously, that should be in. But yes, as far yes. as yeah. the, high, the higher profile bands, yeah. they definitely are. But it's okay that they're running out because now, starting you know, with these, the next couple of years, all these other bands are going to start becoming eligible, mm-hmm. like Pearl Jam and Radiohead and on and on. And then they're just yeah. going to start putting all of these bands in. A Cheap Trick are not as high of a profile band as like a Kiss or a Rush that people were complaining so much about for so many years. Um, so yeah. I, I mean, I was surprised actually. This was the first year they were nominated, and I did not expect at all that they would yeah, actually. Yeah, I kind of thought maybe they there. wouldn't get in too. The nomination was one thing, but yeah. to be uh, inducted is another. Yeah, I mean, they were never even nominated before, let alone inducted. So it, I was very surprised and very, very pleasantly surprised that they actually got inducted. And I think it's just based 100% on their merit as just a great rock band that everybody 
everybody that votes for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they just all have a great deal of respect and admiration for Cheap Trick, even more than you're just your casual music fan. So uh-huh. that's why they're they're in, and that's a great reason to to be inducted. You know? Yeah. There was a pretty big uh, petition drive too for. I don't know, for close to a year, I think. You know, there was always something on Facebook about signing a petition. Yeah. But then you could see even this year a great band with a great history like the Cars, uh, you know, they still didn't get put in, so... Yeah, what's that about? Yeah, so... I don't understand how it goes, but I just... I think it's wonderful that they got in finally and that they're excited about it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and and plus they've got the new album coming out with the new record label, and just it, yeah, it's an amazing time for them. Very exciting. Yeah, good timing. Good timing. Have you heard the new single? Yeah. What do you think of it? I think it's fabulous, and I and I said something to Robin about it, how much I thought it was really cool, and it sounded like the the old cheap trick, but. You know. I thought it was cool. I thought it sounded like Cheap Trick and sounded like, didn't you? Yeah, it's yeah, it's good. I hope the whole record sounds. Uh, I mean, they gave that one away, so there must be some better ones in the can, don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, there, there's another one that they've been doing live. Well, the title track, and uh, he and he played a song at on Saturday night at that show. He played a song. I'm trying to remember what it was called. He played a new song that I'm guessing is going to be on the album. Yeah. Bang, bang what is it, Bang Crazy? Uh, Zoom Power or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Bang, Zoom Crazy or something, but it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's got energy, whatever that title was. It had good energy, and, and the first song was a great indicator of uh, new life, man. Indeed. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to get some press uh, with this new record label. Bang Zoom Crazy Hello. <laughs> so. And, uh, you know, with the induction ceremony, I have uh, friends in, around here that are actually going to go. They got tickets to it. Yeah, how much are those tickets? I don't know. Yeah. But they they got to be hard to get. Yeah. A lot of folks from our Facebook page are going to be making it, so we hope everybody that's Very going cool. has a good time. Brian, we, we had a lot of great re- response to your original episode when we aired it, and uh-huh. it just seems like it keeps bubbling up every so often. Often, it, It's yeah. like the episode that won't die, if you will. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was really neat because there was a uh, reporter who, uh, who actually did a story on you, and they contacted us, and they said, are, are, are you actually the guys that did the show? And the guy really enjoyed it. And uh, has, it, has it brought a lot of attention to you over time? I, I sure have uh, shopped it around to different people and friends that, uh, that I meet. It kind of tells my story as, as well as Robin's, you mm-hmm. know, so I, I kind of use it as a calling card at times. But the, the reporter 
I think was putting together a story about the upcoming, you know, this January show. Yes. And uh, and he interviewed me, and and uh, I mentioned the podcast that had the, you know, I don't need to tell you, <laughs> those all the stories have been already told on uh, on your show. So he he dug it up, or I gave it to him, or something, and he must have been impressed and got a hold of you, huh? Yeah, it was it was really neat. It was really neat. It's it's my favorite episode of the show. Yeah, it's fun, man. And the, all the old uh, all the old songs that got you got to splice in there was right. I mean, if if you're gonna do a cheap trick podcast, what better thing can you do than uh, tell a story that no one fans of the band have never really heard before and play them music that they've never heard before? I mean, you can't really do much better than that. So that's why I think it's the yeah. best thing we've done. Well, thanks. Well, Paul, it ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. Just gonna end when I can. He didn't, he didn't ask me to play on this. I'm just doing it. How's it supposed to be? It certainly can't hurt. We're playing those mind games together, pushing the barriers, planting the seeds, playing the mind of rivers, chanting the mantra, peace on earth. We're playing the
You know, uh, Robin's daughter, Holland, and her band are coming to play at Monk's. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. In March, and uh, she has a couple guys in her band that were, fan I was a fan of this one guy in his band back in the old days when Bunny was in the Pagans and Rick was in the Grim Reapers. Uh -huh. And uh, there was another band in Rockford called the Esquires, and one of the guys in that band is in Holland's band. And uh, Rick Pemberton is a guy who was yeah. 16 years old, and he played in a band with Bunny and Robin and I in 1970. And he's in her band. So, I mean, these guys are, are I'm going to be great. I haven't heard them, but uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I know the name Rick Pemberton. Was he in Fuse? No, no? he was uh, in a group. He's been in a lot of groups with Bunny because uh, it was fun and around uh, groups. But he was in a, a band uh, that played Madison a lot called Famous Faces or mm -hmm. the Faces, uh, and uh, and a lot of he's in a he, he's been a lot of good bands over the years. But no, he was he was 16 when he was in the band with us and. And he was a phenom, man. He was a son of a doctor, and he ha already had a, a cool Les Paul and a Marshall stack at 16 years old. And they, we did a lot of Cream and Hendrix and, and Gasoline Alley by Rod Stewart and and, um, and really cool rock and stuff. Uh, and he was 16 years old. But Bunny and him have been friends for, uh, you know, 50 years. They're neighbors. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a little bit of something about that recently too, so uh, that's going to be fun when they show. Um, you know what? I don't. I don't really. I just put something up on Facebook every once in a while, Ken. I don't really have a, a blog site or anything. Okay. BJ, make sure to edit I, that out so I don't sound so stupid. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how to. Uh, how to um, put that up so i just been writing them for fun and putting them up on Facebook anyway thank you for asking no problem 
Do you know if Robin heard the podcast by any chance, or was aware of it? You know your you your, know, your I, episode. I think I I think I sent it to him shortly after you, you know you guys did it the last time. That would have been what three years ago. Uh, yeah, something at like least that. two probably. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be two because it. Uh, I lost my wife two years ago. And, I'm sorry uh, to hear that, sir. It was before that because she heard it, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It yeah. was before that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. It so, was cool. So the, you, the last one was really cool. So you emailed it to Robin or something like that? I think so, yeah. I think I did. Wow. <laughs> yeah, when I was standing yeah. there, when I was standing there waiting to shake his hand, I'm sitting there thinking, you know. I mean, should I just say, hey, I have a podcast, you know, can we talk to you sometime? But I just, I'm not shameless enough to do that. <laughs> you know, didn't I, uh, didn't we talk uh, about me asking him for that? No, somebody else maybe wanted to. I mean, if you, I mean, him. of course we would. <laughs> we would have a phone interview. Talk, yeah, we talked man. about maybe setting that up, didn't we? Yeah, I mean. Let's see if you wanted, I could find out if he wants to talk to you and call you. Yeah, I mean that would be great if you want to ask him. We don't want to be too pushy or anything, but uh, you know. No, I know. This is a and, labor and of, of course love. we would talk to him about whatever he wanted to talk about. It would, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe we could co- have something coincide with when the new album's coming out or something like that. This... Yeah, he can. I mean, it couldn't hurt. How many? How many people do you think are listening to your podcast, Ken? No way of knowing. I know that like our Facebook page we're up to what 3,000 something right now but that means nothing because you have to understand that for every person that's on the Facebook page and found you there it's usually because they heard the show and wound up going there like for example we do other podcasts and there are people who are really averse to coming on and you know checking out Facebook for example there are just some people that don't like the Facebook platform yeah so you can't really judge that as a sign but it is it is pretty cool i mean i think that it's everything we've gotten involved in it's been a strong thing you know what i mean like whether it be trying to get them inducted into the rock and hall of fame and i'm not taking credit for that but we were part of that you know it so right you know well we're talking in the thousands at least though yeah yeah people yeah and and here's here's the other thing you don't have any way of measuring how much things get shared true you know if somebody if your your podcast ends up on your facebook page somebody shares it then how many people share it after that yeah, yeah. The, the thing with podcasts is there's so many different ways people listen to podcasts with different apps and different platforms yeah. that there's really no way to know for there's really no way to know how many people you you can right. guess and you see certain numbers, but you you don't have all the data to to really understand. It's hard to keep track. So plus right. it all there's also I, I the, think you could count it in the thousands for sure. Yeah, there's also the situation where like for example, it never stops in the sense that like we still get uh, people writing in about the first episode. It, yeah. it never stops, and you can find the 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 show today. And you go yeah. back and you can listen to all of them in like two weeks if you want. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it really is a user-friendly thing. And the user yeah. actually determines what happens with it, if that makes sense. Yes. 
and and it, and it probably uh, gets uh, uh, heard by way more than you think. Yeah. And at any time of the day or night, anywhere, somewhere, somewhere, you know. Well, it's weird. We actually saw, your, for example, your episode. There was a yeah. uh, an article written in, in in France, and you know, I had to run it through a Google Translator, but it was like. You know, if if you like Robin Zander of Cheap Trick, you need to listen to this episode, and that was just like six months ago. So it's, oh, cool. it it just keeps bubbling up everywhere, and that's the yeah. other thing. We, like when we look at the stats, we get people from the Ukraine, France, China, Japan, uh, cool. all these different things, and you can see all the different countries. So we're not just reaching just like you know the united states it's something that goes right. way beyond all of us so and i noticed that uh, the next i think the next podcast you did was with dino yeah and you brought up you brought up uh, our podcast and in some questions that you had for dino <laughs> which was i thought was really cool like you took some of the information i gave you and then checked it with him and what uh, yeah, one right. of the cool things the cool things about it was that he said yeah that's that's right. You know, he he verified it. It was really cool. Yeah, we did a we did an amazing series there. Where we had you and we had Stuky and we had Zeno like right in a row. It was really great. <laughs> and did you know? Did you know Rick Jaluga? I knew the name is all. I never met him. Yeah, we got him on the show too. So, but I mean, wow. yeah. If if you want to just uh, <laughs> mention the Robin that you were just on this podcast and. Uh, well, he could definitely come sure. on. It's not going to be a normal. He's not going to get the same old questions. <laughs> he could, at least he would know that, you know. <laughs> well, you know, he, he's he's really easy to talk to, man. His, yeah, uh, he seemed. I, know, I, there, I, there, there were times in their career when they were really, really big, and really, uh, you know, famous and doing the huge shows that that they were a little less approachable, a little less. Uh, but now that they're older and wiser i think that they they're back to being themselves you know that's all of yeah. us <laughs> we had we had we had a guy yeah. named we yeah. talked to a guy named steve west who's a drummer in a band called danger danger who were kind of famous in the 80s and he he told us about how when he was a teenager how robin zander was just so friendly to him and when yeah. he just when he just went to the show like in long island and then a few years later he went to another show and robin actually remembered who he was and he just couldn't believe it and robin was just so friendly and like hey and and then he yeah. ended up in a band and you know got some notoriety and robin always remembered who he was from back when he was like 14 and went to the show with his uncle or whatever so wow yeah yeah uh they're smart guys and as many people as they see and they know they do they do uh, remember people you know uh, the, well, they, the way i get it anyway they all deserve to have whatever connection they Lives. want with their fan you know yeah. and as a matter of fact you know just one last thing i'd like to say about the podcast we look at yeah. this as not our show but their show yeah and the we want show. to make everyone who's ever been a part of the cheap trick story this is your story this is your story yeah. Brian this is yeah. Stooky's story this is you know John Brandt's story Pete Kamita's and all the guys who were in the band proper this is really we're trying to tell the story and the history of this band uh -huh. so we hope that as someone who's part of that story you uh, you know you, you dig what we're doing so 
Well, yeah, and I think that you guys do a fabulous job as, at getting the uh, uh, the right questions asked and uh, and uh, the, everything the fans would want to hear mm-hmm. from those guys you just mentioned uh, gets asked. You know, you guys are good at it. Well, thank you. You guys do a great job, man. Well, thank you so much, Thanks. and seriously, thank I'm you for... I'm looking forward to hearing it. Thank you for the incredibly kind words about the show. You bet, man. All right. Talk to you sometime. And okay. are, are you going to be playing at Bratfest or anything this summer, Brian? No, Bratfest no. doesn't do a thing for me. I, <laughs> I've done it, and I just, uh, you know... Unless get, you want I brats. I to play for a... <laughs> I like to go, but I don't want to play it anymore. Yeah, they mm-hmm. ask me now every year, but it's uh, you know they give you that morning shift. You're playing for eleven people hauling gear around. You know, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, it's not uh, it's not for me. Well, I'll keep an eye out if I get a chance to come out and see you and hang out again. All right, all right, I'll keep sir. you posted. Okay. So what's next for Brian well, Beebe? Where where do we go from here? Well, um, you know I'm. St- I'm still playing mm-hmm. uh, four nights a week at, at a place here in the Dells, <clears throat> and I. Uh, Robin wants to come back next year, and we're I'm helping monks uh, put together uh, a few more shows for that theater downstairs. Miles Nielsen's going to come uh, after Holland's band. We're trying to get uh, Robin Taylor Zander to come and do a, a solo show, and and so I'm helping with that too, but. All in all, I'm just uh, I'm playing. You know, I play four nights a week and mm-hmm. enjoy myself. And, and if folks want to it. find you, where where can they see you play? Well, I, I play at Sorrento's Italian Restaurant. Sorrento's at the Wilderness Resort. Um, it's www.sorrentosrestaurant.com. It's S-A-R-E-N-T-O-S. Okay. Restaurant, all one word. And uh, yeah, I'm there. I'm there all the time. I've been there ten years. <laughs> so, the Dells has been my home for a long time. Well, we want to thank you for being part of the show today. And uh, my pleasure, man. I'm glad I got the chance to tell that story. Well, anytime you want to come on. Uh, you are one of our favorite guests, and we really do appreciate you. And uh, all right, man. We we hope that you continue to uh, do what you're doing, and we hope to bump in from you from time to time. And we we thank you for getting the show and appreciating what we're trying to do, uh, because we this really is a labor of love to these to 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 everybody in the Cheap Trick story. So. Well, you're welcome. Well, and uh, and thank you again, Brian, for getting me into that Robin Zander show. Uh, really, you know, you don't that. live very far away, BJ. You don't have any excuse, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, uh, Brian, did you get BJ's autograph? Was he signing things <laughs> that night? I was looking at his wife most of the time. <laughs> he wanted to get her number, her her digits, her autograph, not. Uh... Yeah, her digits. Yeah. <laughs> well done, BJ. You're a lucky man. <laughs> I keep telling him that all the time. I think both of us are, uh, we definitely married up, wouldn't you say, BJ? Sure. <laughs> God bless blind women, that's all I can say. No, they're not blind, but 
They they are kind. Not good work, blind. boy. Good work. <laughs> she needs strong glasses, but she's not legally blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, we dedicate this show to the women that have tolerated us. How about that? <laughs> well, good work, both of you. <laughs> thank you. And uh, it's exciting times coming up for Cheap Trick. We got a new album. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, and of course the never-ending Cheap Trick tour. So, and when yeah. and when Cheap Trick aren't touring, Robin's always doing something, and we know it's going to be something to do with you eventually. So, very cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir, and God bless. And thank, thank you, you for guys. Being Thanks, on Brian. Cheap Talk. Bye, bye, you guys. We'll see you. Bye. Just a reminder: you can find all of our shows on iTunes or at Cheap Talk trickchat.blogspot.com Email us at cheaptalktrickchat at gmail.com And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap trickin'. And here's Robin's daughter, Holland Zander, singing Surrender with her father from Monks. Besides this guy here, I have a, my first child is in the audience tonight. And she is so... Um, and so beautiful, and I want to bring her up tonight. Uh, <laughs> Alan, are you she, she left her right now. <laughs> are you in here? Yeah. Where are you? Well, come up here. Come here. This is the first time that my kids have played together tonight. And this is going to be pretty cool. He sort of did that one time. Yeah, well, not like this, though, and not on this particular... No, not on this at all. Okay, here they are. Don't give your
Sing along, sing along, sing along. 